What is up, everybody? Welcome into the inaugural episode of Chris and Company, this new series that I'm going to be launching here on YouTube. Interview show. Uh, going to get to our first interview with Ben Mintz here in just a second, but I, I want to give you all a little rundown of what you can expect from this program. Like I said, it's going to be an interview-based show. Uh, what I want this show to be is it's basically three-pronged. One, I want to interview Barstool personalities. I want to get to know them a little bit more, get more of an insight, you know, kind of the inside baseball of Barstool. Secondly, I want to just interview anyone that I find interesting, whether it's local athletes, content creators, broadcasters, coaches, what have you. Uh, hopefully, we can pull in some some people who are uh, willing to sit down uh, over the internet and talk with me for an hour. And, and as we get deeper into these interviews, I do want to do some more personal stuff, but that'll come a little bit further down the road once we've kind of gotten our seat legs uh, from Andros. Obviously, uh, this will change. The, the way that this show looks right now is a heck of a lot different than how it's going to look in episode 5, episode 10. I've been talking with my guy, Austin. We're going to be making uh, some changes at, at some point, maybe getting some, some lighting, you know, up, upgrading the tech. Uh, it's all part of the process, all part of the plan. So I appreciate all of you being patient. This is only our first uh, episode. So Bear with me, but I'm really happy with our guest. Uh, I get to talk to Barstool content creator and, uh, more importantly for me, uh, a close friend. So let's uh, jump to our interview with Ben Mintz. Inaugural episode here joined Ben Mintz. Uh, I can officially say friend of the program now with this being a first episode. Ben, how you doing, dude? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me on, man. Inaugural episode of Chris and Company. Uh, exciting stuff. Glad to be a part of it. Uh, you know, in the in the Barstool vein, I got my New Orleans shirt on wearing the black and gold. I'm in New Orleans for Mardi Gras right now. Uh, it's been, you know, I got down here. I kind of snuck down here like last Wednesday night, if you want the honest truth. Uh, road and crew of Ferret Saturday. I don't know if you saw that content, but it was pretty, pretty wild to say the least. Uh, and then uh, I'm actually heading, it's a random one. I'm heading to Richmond, Virginia tomorrow. I got hit up by the VCU, Virginia Commonwealth Athletic Department, uh, wanted me to come check out a game there. So I'm going to see them against Dayton, who's top 15 on Friday night, getting to hang out with the coach and the band and getting kind of an all access deal. So, you know, very random trip, but looking forward to it. Uh, ought to be some good content, and then I'm flying back to Chicago on Saturday uh, for the Super Bowl stream on Sunday. Uh, would I always say, Barstool, and you found your own lane too. It's like such a unique company. I definitely, you know, I'm not neither you or I's in Vegas for Super Bowl content this week, but not worried about it. Like I, I love my lane, getting to do the South stuff. That's kind of what I am, and uh, you know, enjoy the freedom for sure. For sure. So no halftime show this year for the Super Bowl. Oh yeah. 
big halftime oh, show. Oh, you okay? But it's in Chicago, though. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. I'm okay. flying back Saturday. The stream. So the bank. Nobody's staying for the Super Bowl. Actually, they're just doing. Oh, really? Are they all flying? Okay, I didn't know. They're that. flying back Friday. So yeah, halftime show on Sunday. Big one. Got something big, big up my sleeve. Uh, going a different direction. You know, the last two years I wore the disco shirt. I did the California Love. Yeah. Last year I did the Talking Heads. We're going a whole whole new direction. This is gonna be a big one. I'm excited about. Fantastic, it. fantastic. Uh, you know, I, you brought up you brought up uh, the Super Bowl and you brought up New Orleans. I saw on Twitter today, uh, and I did. Well, I wasn't even planning on bringing this up, but I figured I might as well. 14 years to the date, Saints won uh, Super Bowl. Uh, what was it? 44, I believe, against uh, against the Colts. You know, we we talked about it when we were in Omaha in 22. I guess just like as a fan, how did that run for the Saints kind of kind of shape you? And did it like, I don't know, did it alleviate pressure as a fan knowing that you saw something? Yeah, oh, huge. Never no, it, look, it was funny. I'm actually going to write a blog on that later. Uh, cool. I was there. I got, that's the only Super Bowl I've ever attended. Oh, really? And, okay. Oh, yeah. And uh, I moved to New Orleans in fall of 09 and actually went to eight games that year. I went to the Arizona playoff game. I went to the NFC Championship with Favre through the pick back over the middle. And fun story, I might as well share here about that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Wasn't planning on going to the Super Bowl at all. Uh, kind of, you know, I think I had like 3K to my name. And I was playing World Series of Poker at Tunica, Mississippi that week, uh, right before it. And I was in this like $550 buy-in. I think it had like 170 people or something. And I got fifth in it for 7K on a Thursday. And the second I got that money, I booked a flight from Memphis to Miami on Saturday. And I bought a $1,200. You couldn't get in there for $1,200 now. I was like 10K. Right. But I bought a $1,200 ticket. I was front row, upper deck. I was actually with a bunch of Colts fans uh, in Miami. And went to the game and uh you know my thoughts were money's gonna come and go but i've waited my whole life on this black and gold super bowl and yeah there when morstead kicked the uh, ambush onside kick start the second half the tracy porter picked six to win it and uh you know the moment i had as a sports fan and you kind of got to have one of these with michigan winning recently yeah. it's interesting being a big sports fan it's that first one It's like all different when you get the first one and you were part of it. And we'll talk about Omaha, I'm sure, when you were with me when Ole Miss won it. But it was like I had that moment when the Saints won. I was like, I'm never going to complain again, no matter what happens, because I got to see it once in my lifetime. And that was tested in the 2018 NFC Championship game on the no call for sure. But even after that, I was like, you know, people were bitching like crazy and rightfully so because they got screwed. But I was like, look, I saw the Saints win the Super Bowl and that's how I'm getting through this mentally. Um, But yeah, so that was my. The pinnacle of being a sports fan, getting to see the Saints win the Super Bowl. And, you know, I mean, uh, just to see it once in a lifetime, you know, that's 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 all you can ask for. And so 14 years later, you know, here I am. I find it ironic. I'm in New Orleans of Mardi Gras 14 years later. So. Right. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a unique thing. And you brought up, you know, kind of me going through a similar thing with Michigan where it's like I – I mean, it's it just happened with Michigan, and there's so much turnover now with Harbaugh leaving and and the coaches going with them. And yet yeah, no, y'all are about to it, it, y'all. It was a one year deal, y'all. It, it was, not saying that Michigan won't continue to be a very good program, but like you know, y'all are for sure. Yeah. No, the, and we knew coming into 23 that it was the culmination of this three year run that began with 21 when they won the Big Ten and all came together with a championship. But it's like even seeing these guys leave, it's like yeah, I. I can put on those highlights whenever I want. It's a it's a it's a unique thing. And so you know, I, yeah, I, well, it's ultimately like we live in this culture that's crazy where it's like we live in this championship or bus culture. Yeah. And everything is ultimately about winning a title. And when you actually win one, I mean, 
you really, it's like I used to always hear people would say the five-year grace period. But, you know, you got to see it in your lifetime. That's all you can hope for. And after you win the title, you're still going to be a – you'll be a fan for the rest of your life. I'm not saying you won't. But it does – It's a, in a weird way, it takes a little of the edge off it. Because it's like, oh, yeah. you know, even like last year, like Ole Miss winning at Nomal two years ago, they went 6-24 and 24 in the SEC last year. And I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. Saw them win it all. You know, I mean, they could have three or four more years like that. I'm still just going to be like, whatever, just to get to For see sure. Yeah, no, we're 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 kind of in lockstep about how we feel about that that kind of stuff. I want to want to transition to the barstool world, the the second act, and now the subsequent third act of Ben Mintz. You know, I um, it's still the I, second act. I know it, are we still say, okay? All right, we're still we're still in act. Dude, the first the first act is forty years. You can't say it's the second act just started. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. Um, you know, I it's interesting, man. It just, it shows, you know, I always appreciate the attitude that you have towards, towards life. And, and I remember the day that you were let go originally, I called you from a, from a, a Detroit hotel room. I remember thinking you were in better spirits than I was about the entire thing. I guess now that dust is set, I mean, so much has changed in both of our lives in the barstool world. I mean, Dave bought the company back and now you work here again. I guess just as a whole, what did you, with that being such a public thing that was talked about on, you know, different media networks and, you know, your name was being thrown out there. What did you learn about yourself in that, in that kind of process? Well, okay. Uh, a, a lot of stuff. There's a lot to get to on that. First of all, I think my life has been a testament to where a lot, I mean, I've had a lot of bad stuff happen to me in life. We all have. And that's life, dude. It's not roses. Everybody goes through tough stuff. But every time something really bad has happened to me, it somehow ended up being a blessing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't know it immediately. It's not a short run thing. It's a long term thing. But, you know, obviously that was never supposed to happen. But it did end up leading to Dave. It, it was a big part of Dave getting the company back for a dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I learned a lot. You know, it was right around, I turned 40 a few weeks later. Dave hired me back for Brick Watch in like 10 days. I had other job offers I'm not going to get into. But, you know, it really showed me, though, because I thought when that incident went down, I'm like, man, I better get my poker game sharp because I'm not going to be able to get a job for like five years with the culture yeah. right now. Yeah. And it wasn't like that at all because anybody that saw what happened knew it was an honest mistake and knows my anybody that knew my character, like, knows it's not what I'm like at all. And – you know, invariably, it was a big life lesson to know that I'm going to be okay no matter what. Uh, I'm a resilient guy. I mean, I really got tested last year, though. I, I had, a you know, deaths of a good friend of mine died in a car wreck. It was my age. I lost a mentor of mine all in like a five, six weeks period with that and the Barstool thing. And I was, you know, I, I was struggling a little bit last summer, especially when I was in June in Vegas. I was flying a little bit. But I was listening to like a lot of Joe Rogan and David Goggins and stuff, like the callous your mind and like, you know, everybody's going to go through tough stuff. You can't let it define you. It's how you react. And, you know, you can play the victim and play the pity party thing. And, you know, it's not going to take you anywhere or you can just deal with it and be resilient. And what I decided to do late June was I just went really all in on the health stuff and, you know, uh, ate real healthy and worked out and ran a lot. And then I ultimately uh, decided I wanted to run the St. Jude half marathon in December. And I, you know, trained for that for months and, ran that in like two hours, 21 minutes. And, you know, I think the best thing I did when I was going through all that was going all in on the health stuff and just like, Hey, this bad stuff happened. But if you're like improving your health and improving your life and your future, you know, that's the way to deal with it. Like channel the energy towards something positive instead of just dwelling on the negative. And then, you know, it felt like kind of cosmic when Dave bought Barstool back for a dollar on August 8th. 
Uh, I was kind of going through this whole the whole second act thing. It was like right when I turned 40 into the Barstool scandal. And then that was kind of like felt like the beginning of act two. And now I'm back with Barstool and I, I feel as good as I felt in a long time because of the health stuff. And, yeah. you know, I you know never would have thought I'd move to Chicago. Even when I signed – so I re-signed a three-year deal last – not last October, the October before to move to New Orleans. And I never would have thought the Chicago thing would happen. But, you know, right when I got rehired, I went up there uh, the next day and Dan Big Cat sat me down and was just like, look, I'm never going to tell you what to do with your life. We're thrilled to have you back. Your job's not on the line. But having said that, you'd be an idiot if you don't move to Chicago with what's about to happen here. And he said, we really need you for the content. You know, my only, I was like, look, I'll do it. My only reservation is like, can I travel back to the South? I'm obviously a South guy. Like, can I travel back when I want to? Because you'll probably pay for it. But yeah, you can. months leading up to when I got hired here, like just feeling better overall as a person, you bring up the health stuff. I mean, it's one of those things people don't necessarily understand it till they've done it, but the positive like endorphins that come with like getting yourself into better shape, like it's, it's noticeable in terms of just how you deal with things, decision-making just kind of your everyday vibes. I mean, I think it's been fantastic what you've done. Um, and I, look, obviously, you know, since, uh, since I've known you and, and since you got hired here, uh, Look, there, there's a randomness, I think, to Barstool that always makes us unique. But there's a randomness to, I think, your content that makes you unique where you can do something relatively simple that be, that blows up into something that's, that's you know, viewed millions upon millions of times. So the, the question I've always been wanting to ask you is, do you have an idea when you've done something that you think is going to go viral? Like the... Like the uh, a uh, bobblehead video that yeah, the bobblehead I knew immediately. Did, like, did you I know like, when you were making? Like, and I was like, oh, that was a train wreck. Like I have to post this. Yeah, and because and- I mean, my stuff. Everybody's unique, but my stuff. It's like not that I'm invariably that funny. It's just when I screw up unintentionally, it's really funny. And yeah, um, yeah, and so like that bobblehead thing, I knew immediately. I mean, I didn't know it was going to get as big as it got, but I thought it was going to be really, really funny. But like last night, I mean, I had one go off last night where this girl was like giving me an arm massage. Yeah, bar at Fat Harry's Knoll after the old Miss loss, and it got like almost a million views on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's just you know, I think what I'm good at is those 30 second to one minute turn it up energy videos, and just like you said, it's the randomness. It's like me, you know, the Mardi Gras stuff went crazy on Saturday. Uh, sure. But yeah, it's just kind of the random stuff, and you know, I think I found you know Barstool is such a unique company, and I think you found a great niche with your Detroit and your Michigan stuff, but. I, I got kind of lucky in that we don't have that many South employees. We have Casey yeah. from Texas and Brandon from Mississippi and Big T, but there aren't a lot of us. And so, you know, I get to be one of the big South guys. And, you know, I think that's something I've been real lucky with. And, you know, it's interesting for me, you know, being from Louisiana, but then my mom's from Mississippi. So that's why I went to Ole Miss. You know, I've got huge support in both Mississippi and Louisiana. Yeah. And so that crossover really, really works. And I think that's a big part of why I've been successful. Uh, have you been surprised at how much 
and it's kind of coincided with your hiring, but how much Ole Miss football has changed as a brand since over the last several years with Kiffin? Oh, it's been unbelievable. I got lucky to just be a small part of it. But, yeah, it's just uh, the thing with the Ole Miss football thing is just the way they've taken advantage of the transfer portal in the NIL. Yeah, You look back on Ole Miss through the years, you never can out-recruit Bama or LSU for these five-star guys. But if you can't do that, let them have the five-star 18-year-olds and just go get the 22-year-old men that are like all AAC or all Conference USA. When you're bringing in 22-year-olds that are already starters that they're playing five-star 18-year-olds, it's still – Think about the difference in age between 18 and 22. It's like men against boys. And so Kiffin did such a good job exploring that transfer portal even before the NIL. And then the NIL thing, you know, you're seeing this around the country. Like the Grove Collective Ole Miss is maybe the best NIL group in the country. The university is, works hand-in-hand with it. And you're seeing like a lot – it's such a new world. There's a lot of infighting at these schools, you know, multiple collectives, you know, the athletic departments have – like a lot of the people that want to donate to the athletic department donate to the collective now. There's like infighting, you know, and Ole Miss has just really gone all in and embraced it ahead. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's why Ole Miss is 14-1 to to win the title next year. And with the 12-team playoff, uh, you know, I can't yeah. believe I'm saying this about the Ole Miss Rebels, this playoff for bus next year. I mean, anything less than 10-2 and in playoff and making the playoffs will be a disappointment, which is – I mean, that is wild to say when you look at right. Miss football. Do you, it would it be fair to say that perspective all across the SEC has changed to a certain extent with Saban retiring? Yeah, I think there's a lot of vulture. Everybody's thrilled, you know, just because how yeah. long he was dominant. I mean, you know, you look at that Saban run. He got there in 07 and then, you know, retires in 2023, 2024. And, I mean, what he went – he won six titles at Bama, right? He won six at Bama, and, six at Bama and one at LSU, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, the whole perspective has changed. And also it's different now with the ad in Oklahoma and Texas. The, the SEC West and East thing's gone away, just like it has in the Big Ten. Yeah. And so now you're playing these round-robin schedules where Ole Miss is going to play LSU and Mississippi State every year, and I think Arkansas. But other than that, it's going to rotate. So Ole Miss actually doesn't play Alabama or Auburn next year, which just kind of feels okay. weird. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting times. And, you know, seeing what Ole Miss, like, the, the stadium atmosphere is night and day from what it used to be. I mean, stadium rocks now. And the fan base is just – I've never seen a school more all-in for one season than what Ole Miss is for 2024. I mean, ever. I mean, it's, it's, it's the most all-in situation I've ever seen. And, you know, here we are sitting here in early February. I mean, I already can't wait for six, seven months from now when the season kicks off. Yeah. It's going to be hell fall. Well, while we're on the topic of uh, Ole Miss, I guess that'll uh, transition us into one of what I call barstool magic. Uh, the trip to Omaha in 2022, Ole Miss wins the national championship. Now, just kind of the the behind the scenes of that, it was you who pitched that idea of us going together to Omaha uh, at the dozen tournament that year. We yeah, that, was late, no- that was like late May, and Omaha was mid to late June. Yeah, and I remember – asking you at the time if there was any chance Ole Miss could be in it in in, in Omaha and, and and you said you know it'll be it'll be a question mark whether they make the tournament you know at, at this point um yeah, I guess got, with, they actually got the 64th and final spot in so the tournament they got so the literal insane. last bid to the tournament and won the whole thing but that's the thing with baseball yeah and what makes baseball such a unique sport is like football the best teams usually going to win or at least one of them mm-hmm. And basketball, when you play, you know, you play a seven-game series in basketball, the best team is going to win, too. Mm-hmm. But baseball, you get confidence and momentum going, man. Your record early in the season doesn't mean a damn thing. You know, you get hot, you get that energy going, anything's possible. And you see it 
I mean, you saw it last year in the Major League Baseball playoffs. Yeah. You went to the playoffs, the Rangers and Diamondbacks were two of the longest shots, and they ended up playing in the World Series. Yeah, and it's it's funny because I, I, I love the perspective that each one of us had because having not followed the team the way that you did, when I got to Omaha, I'm like, these guys look like world beaters. Like, this is – and you were telling me the entire time. It's like, well, this is, this is the best they've played, you know, all, all season. I, I guess with that run with that team, was there a moment where you're like – Dude, they might they might actually win the entire thing, or was it something that you didn't realize until that you know kind no, of? No, no, I realized it. I kind of realized it when they they ran through the Miami regional, and when I really realized they had a real shot was the Southern Miss Super Regional where they played two out of three at Hattiesburg, and they came out and they dominated the first game, but then the second game, there was a moment where you could tell something was in the air, and it was Ole Miss was up three nothing in game two in the fifth inning. Okay. And it's two out of three series. Southern Miss has the bases loaded, and their cleanup hitter just rips, just crushes his ball down the right field line. And it it's like fair or foul by like this much. Yeah. And it it would have been a grand slam to give them a 4-3 lead, and, it go, and they call it foul by like that much. And when that ball went foul, I was like, something's going on here. Yeah. yeah that moment, I was like, this may be our year when that thing went foul to get that kind of break. And I was – you know, and a lot of it too. There's a ton of senior leadership on that team with uh, Tim Elko and Kevin Graham and Justin Bench. I'm friends with all those guys still. And the thing too is like starting pitching. They had Dylan Delucha and Hunter Elliott as a one-two combo, and I mean those guys were just slinging it in the NCAA in the tournament. And so Ole Miss was like 10 and 0 in the two games they in the 10 games they started during the tournament. Yeah. And uh, when you had that, they had that hot one-two combo, and they were scoring. I mean, you know, but it was really when that grand slam went foul. You could that was like something maybe going on here. With, with any championship run, there's so many checkpoints that you look back on. It's so like you know that's when you go back and watch the the championship DVD. That's one of the you know you know that's going to be something that's going to be a, a chapter in it. I remember um, the Delucha complete game against Arkansas was prob. I think really, and I'm including major league games. The, the maybe the greatest pitching performance I've ever seen in person. I, I mean, he was just painting with that fastball the entire game. Uh, I, I remember when us watching it together, just as an outsider, as an observer, in the first game of the championship series when they hit those three straight home runs. Uh, th- thinking to myself, like, man, I'm 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 so invested now. Like, I think I think they're actually going to win this thing. Um, that was that was such a unique thing, and it's got it's got to be the greatest place to be in as a fan where. Not only is the world experiencing this run, but it feels like the world is experiencing it with you. Uh, in terms of just, was there a moment, because that whole thing was so surprising and was such a whirlwind, was there a moment where you were kind of able to take a step back and realize, like, this this is transcending just, like, me following my favorite baseball? Oh, the, the moment I'll definitely tell you is right after that Arkansas game when they won the 2 nothing, when uh, Tim Elko and me hugged on top of the dugout. Yeah. That was that was the moment. Uh, that was just like, man, that was cool. And you know, uh, Elko is the captain. They're building a statue for him at Swayze Field. And you know, I'm still cool. really good friends cool. with Tim. I saw him at the Peach Bowl in Atlanta in the suite. And what's so cool about our relationship is the second act stuff. He's tearing it up in the minors for the White Sox right now. He had 28 homers, 106 RBIs last year. He made it to Double A in Birmingham. He's probably going to be up at some point this year. And I'm friends with his dad. I mean, I'm that's going to be my Chicago sports ties going to support him. And so, like, I'm going to, you know, just because of my relationship with him, that's going to be my, my Chicago thing. I'll be going to a lot of his games and stuff. I can't wait. That, that was going to be that was going to be my next question is obviously with with you being in Chicago now with him at some point soon. 
uh, being in Chicago. I know they don't play as much with the new scheduling, but if there's, yeah, if he's called up and there's a Tigers-White Sox series. They'll, we'll they'll still play some with that. I guess it's not as unbalanced as you It's speak. not as much, but we're still, but if there is uh, a Tigers-White Sox series with him there, man, we got to we gotta hit that up. Because, no, yeah, no, man, no, he's, no he's I'll be having him up. in the Barstool office a lot and can't wait, you know. So I think there's a chance he gets called up this year because the White Sox are rebuilding. So I think he's – For sure, yeah. Um, you were part of that parade. Um, how did that process come about? Where did, where did that, uh, I'm friends with the mayor. And so okay. I got in through the Oxford mayor through her husband, Robin Tannehill, her husband, Ray got me in there, but yeah, that was insane. Especially there was a little of a weird dynamic there. Cause it couldn't have been me that wrote a blog that was going to get stole Mrs. Coach when they fell apart in the middle of the season. Right. You know, obviously couldn't have been me that wrote that blog panicking when Ole Miss was seven. <laughs> They're seven and fourteen in the SEC at one point. Yeah. And won the title, you know that obviously never happened. So that was a little bit of a weird dynamic there. Uh, but you know what, Mike Bianco, you shut me up. I'm an idiot, and uh, I like wrote a huge apology blog. And uh, you know that's the thing with fans. You you feel like you're fanatic sometimes, and For irrational, sure. irrational stuff gets said. The thing, it, I, I, I'm gonna defend you on that though, because I went through the. Oh, everybody thought he was gone though. Like oh, he was literally right. If Ole Miss didn't get that 64th bid. He was getting let go. And, and I went through, and me and so many people went through the exact same thing with Harbaugh during the COVID year, where when you when we watched that team, it was then they they're they're having trouble snapping a football. They've lost their defensive identity. They're not running the ball effectively. And then you go through the next Dave, three no, years. Dave Portnoy said fire Harbaugh. Man. Right. Yeah. And so it's like you. You dig up these receipts, and it's like, well, I'm happy to be wrong. I'm like, it led to a championship. This is this is fantastic. So yeah, no, well, I wrote was a huge you. apology. I mean, I definitely did. I I was embarrassed about it for a few months, and then I wrote it like a few months later. But I mean, I like ate it in it. I mean, I just, you know, I just took it to the face in this blog. And uh, to the Bianco family's credit, their two of their sons who I know reached out to me and said how much they appreciated me eating it, and you know. Yeah. Like I have good relationships with them now, which is crazy because I said their dad should be fired. But, uh, but yeah. So I mean, the thing, the lesson, all that though, it's like you just gotta own it when you're wrong. Yeah, you that's the thing. People respect taking it to the face. Don't shy from it. Just own it. So. Yeah, no, completely. And especially in the, in the line of work that we're in, you're gonna throw a lot of things at the wall. Very often, is something gonna stick permanently? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, everything kind of comes back around at some capacity. I had a million lions takes that turned out to be wrong. Um, was that run, you know, cause I remember like we were at, you know, uh, we were staying at the hotel at the time and it seemed like, like Dave was, was all over that. Oh, uh, yeah, it went nuts. yeah. It went nuts. Is that your favorite like moment at Barstool since you've been here or what, what are some there's other been a lot of really good ones, but yeah. I think that, that was my favorite. Yeah. I'll say that was my favorite, but there've been, there've been a lot of super fun ones for sure. Um, it's been a great you know, three and a half years or, or I guess almost, yeah, three and a half years now, man. Wow. It's been wild how fast it's going, but yeah, I know. I'd I say know. the oldest Omaha was, was the pinnacle. Yeah, no, I mean, we're coming, I'm coming up on, on three years here too, which yeah, time flies. I, one, one question I've never asked you, were you a fan of Barstool content before you got hired? Man, I followed Dave and yeah. uh, followed Big Cap, but that was it. So I wasn't a stoolie. And uh, I actually think that helped me a lot because when I got to Barstool, I knew it was a super big deal. I mean, I knew it was like people had a cult following, but, uh, I think it helped me as I got to Barstool that, like, I knew it was a massive job, but it was also just the next step. And, you know, I wasn't ever nervous going in or anything like that. And uh, I think it, huh. if I'd have been a big stoolie, I think it would have been a little more of a tough transition. That's a really that's, – that's actually really interesting to me of how that dynamic works because there's been certain people that have gotten hired here who have known 
the lingo and knowing the history. Um, like I, I felt that way. It took a long time. I mean, I would argue I still haven't, but it took me a long time until there was some kind of adjustment where, where I'm like, okay, I feel, feel good here. Cause it's uh, the comparison I've always made is that it's like watching a TV show and then you become a character on that show. It's, uh, it's weird. So I feel like a lot of people that maybe were not so much outsiders, but maybe weren't as, as like intertwined with the world. It might've been, uh, somewhat easier for them. Cause I mean, you, yeah, I feel like you took off kind of right away. I mean, well, well you it was a, I really took off in Omaha in 2021. Yeah, that's pretty. Um, yeah, I mean, I was doing pretty good at first, but like, but it was that Omaha 2021 when Mississippi State won it when I had that ice cold gambling streak. Yeah, and uh, all that content when the you know when the NC State bus was like trolling me and. You know, when Jack Leiter, I said, you know, he allowed he had the no hitter and that Homer got hit over my head. That Omaha 2021 was I took the lead. That was the leaping point. And then, you know, you can't make stuff up like this though. You look at Mississippi State winning the title with Walker and then Ole Miss last year and then LSU the next year. I mean, it's like the three schools I have the, you know, biggest relationships with, or three of them. I mean, Ole Miss is first and LSU second for sure. And uh, it's just like, how did that happen? You know, that's like that Barstool magic you're talking about. Right, and it's funny we talked about it on the phone, uh, pre Omaha last year. Like, I think it was sh- shortly after you were like, go where you said, you know, what's going to happen is LSU is going to win it this year. Yeah, oh, and, I was and, sure of it all year. I said, yeah, all, LSU was preseason number one. I'm like, they're obviously going to win this year. I mean, yeah, was, um, there's like no way they're not. And, and it was it was magic the way it worked out. And obviously, like just on a, on a personal level, that was such a because I remember originally telling you. Man, Omaha sounds amazing, but I got to keep up. You know, I got to keep up with my Tigers. And they they reached a point that 2022 season was such a disaster where I'm like, dude, please get me get me anywhere else but having to follow this team right now. And that like that 10 days where it's just to be an outsider, but to be indoctrinated in it. Um, yeah, I'll always be grateful for that. I hope at some point we can get back, whether Ole Miss is in it or not. Uh, because what's ironic is I've actually seen Michigan be in the college world series. I wasn't able to attend it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they almost won the title. I know. And, and, and it, three. it was a thriller to Vandy. They almost won the damn. Thing. Yeah. And there's kind of an osmosis to that too, because that run led to the Tigers hiring Chris Fetter to be their pitching coach. Who's now somebody that, uh, you know, I, 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 I admire obviously the job he's done with Detroit. So everything kind of has worked out for, uh, you know, for the better in, in that way. I got to ask, man, one thing, you know, more, a little bit more, uh, Barstool related stuff. Do you miss? Do you miss being on a trivia team with me? A little bit, yeah. But yeah. I mean, like the trivia stuff's just crazy, uh, you know. But I'm I'm lucky. I'm on a good, you know. I'm on a you good are. team right now in Smockville with Titus and Ken Jack, and you know, I mean, I just it is what it is. Weird. It kind of equates to like NBA's like this. Like my original team, the Honkers, I was one of the season one champions. Yeah. But it's like once you get traded once, it's like you see that in NBA, like how long Westbrook was in Oklahoma City and you thought he was a thunder for life. But then once he got moved once, he's been on like seven different teams. Right. It's kind of like the same thing. Like once you get moved once, you're kind of like mercenary a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's like not the same. Like the Coley, me and Robbie Fox will always be my original OG team. And then, you know, since then, you know, I've, I've you know, now I've been a part of your team and smocking and moved around. I got traded for Kurt briefly and then back. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just, like, you know, just kind of like one of those things where it's like, I still like it, but it's, the team camaraderie is not the same as it was. I, I was, yeah. I mean, when there was that 24-hour period where I wasn't sure what team you were on, where I was wondering, hey, man, maybe we could we, we could work something out. Obviously, you went, you went, uh, everyone went back to their, their, their separate corners there for a, a second. Uh, you know, obviously, you're now in, you're now in Chicago. 
you've had the distinction of you've been a New York employee, you've been a remote employee, and now you've been a Chicago employee. I guess with the offices still being very, you know, kind of in their infantile stage in Chicago, what are kind of the differences that you've noticed in terms of the dynamics from what you experienced when you were in New York versus what uh, you've seen since you've been in Chicago? Chicago is just a totally different deal because there's such it's so nice and there's so much room uh, and we only have about 60 people in there. And so it's a totally different vibe than New York where, you know, we had the two floors and you obviously have the upstairs is like sales and production, you know, all that. But it's just you're not like on top of each other like you are in New York and you know, it's all big cats guys in Chicago. It's a lot more laid back and positive, I would say, in Chicago than it was in New York. And um, I'm really enjoying it. You know, I'm lucky to be part of it. And uh, it doesn't feel like – what's interesting is I've always moved around a ton forever. Yeah. But, I mean, this feels like at least a three-year thing. You know, I'm hoping right. it's a three, five-year thing in Chicago. And, you know, I finally got a place to live I really love, which is great because it's a big step. I just turned 40. So, you know, I'm at that point where I need that. And, yeah, I mean, it just uh, it, it's great. I mean, it's uh, it's just uh, other than the cold weather, everything else is super right. positive. And I knew that was coming going in, so I can't For wait. Sure. To, I can't wait to see what summer's like. Did the living in New York kind of maybe alleviate some of the stress of being in Chicago because you've experienced that? You know that the big oh, city yeah. like, the Chicago yeah. thing's nothing compared to New York. I mean, I moved yeah. up to New York not knowing anybody. Uh, it was a great move to move there because it established me in the company and got me all the relationships I have with Dave, Big Cat, and VFT, and Hank. And, you know, if I hadn't moved to New York, I would never have gotten to where I've gotten in this company. Um, so I don't regret it. But the thing with New York, man, the cost of living just right. – I mean, it's just so crazy. Like, you know, I was living paycheck to paycheck and getting by. You know, I'm not saying I'm rich right now, but I'm not paycheck to paycheck anymore, and there's a lot less financial stress, which is nice because the money thing – like Kanye West said it best. It's like having money ain't everything, but not having it is. And uh, when you don't have it, you're like constantly worried about it. You don't really yeah. think about anything else. But once you're like a little more stable, you like work on your health or mental health or just like other stuff, life, your relationships, your experiences. And and so the Chicago deal, like nothing compared to New York. I'm already established in the company. I know everyone. I have great relationships. So, yeah, I mean, compared to it's, it's night and day compared to moving to New York in the middle of the pandemic for sure. Uh, did you ever, in your wildest imagination, imagine Wake Up Mincy having the kind of arc that it's had no. since 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 this thing? Because I remember you you pitching the idea, uh, or you talking about it with me uh, when you were in when you had moved back down south, um, and this journey that it has become as the uh, the the most polarizing talked about. At points, controversial show on the Barstool Network. I mean, it's what? Wild. For considering we've had we've had what fifteen total episodes between the three things and like the amount of stuff that's happened, but uh, it's coming back Fat Tuesday on uh, February thirteenth. Right now, we're, I got criticized, but Big Cat. I mean, Hank and Big Cat already had approved like the current model is two weeks yeah. on, two off, because uh, my producer Tyler Booty can only be in Chicago two weeks at a time. And no one else wants to produce it because how much trouble I've gotten in. People are just running <laughs> for the hills, dude. No, nobody wants to go down with the ship. Uh, but yeah, dude, it's 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 all good though. I'm looking forward to getting it going again next Tuesday. So is is Tyler is he still living down south then? Yeah, he lives in Louisiana. He works for ESPN three, calls college college sports games, does some high school, calls MMA fights. He's kind of a jack of all trades guy. Uh, but he's what we're currently doing is he stays with me, he flies up to Chicago on like Monday. And he'll stay like 10 days till the next Thursday and do two weeks of shows. That's kind of the current model we're doing. 
Uh, and, uh, shout out Dude Wipes for sponsoring us. So we're sponsored, so we're bringing some money. So yeah, hopefully shout out uh, shout out to Tyler who's got to be uh, riding high with the Rangers when when in the oh, World yeah, Series. Yeah, he's yeah, still yeah. he's still uh, yeah, going through that uh, you know going on cloud nine there. Uh, do you have an idea of where you show? To go, I mean, are you happy with the direction that it's going in right now? Are there changes? I mean, it's just one of those things where what we need, the, the idea of where it goes is just let's get through a few more months of it and get stable and prove we yeah. can stay in the air. And like right now, we're in a little <laughs> bit of a holding pattern with Dave and Big Cat where I have support from everyone, but it's been such a lightning rod of controversy. Right. We need to put together a good two or three months where we, you know, don't get in some kind of trouble. Uh, you know, and I think you know, if we do that and keep putting up good numbers, then you'll see some more resources come away. For sure. For sure, man. Um, let's see. I, I think, uh, I, I guess the last question I'll ask is, is you've, because people ask me about you a lot and it's always positive. My family loves you. My parents love you. Um, but I guess what is there? There's so much that's said about the content creators on at Barstool and it comes with the territory. What do you think are some, maybe one or two things, one or, one or two preconceived notions that people might have about you that you think is are incorrect? I'm a hell of a lot smarter than people think I am. Um, I think- I agree, I, you are, yes, I agree. Yeah, the, the thing that's interesting about me though, is I, you know, it's not an act, I have bad awareness. And like, that's not like an act or anything like that. I, I just, yeah. my common sense and awareness are weird, but like, I'm kind of like Rain Man with numbers. And so I'm like, I've got some stuff I'm really sharp at, but then like I get lost going to the bathroom. I have no sense of direction. And so like I constantly get railed on for my common sense stuff. And that's not, yeah. I mean, all that's true, but I actually am fairly smart. Like, and people think I'm the biggest idiot alive. It's, it, I mean, I wouldn't have been as good a poker player as I am if I wasn't smart. Right. And, and having been around you, like I get that same thing. And what that's the question people ask me about you in person is like, is any part of it an act? And it's like, dude, I got to tell you, like there is everything about you is authentic. Like it's far and away your best quality. It's like, there's no, there's no faking it. Like we, I've experienced it, but you know, in the offices with you, I've experienced it in Omaha with you. Um, and like having, I think, I think we're similar in that way where that can be your best quality and that can, oh, also no, no. Be, yeah. No, and no. that can also be your biggest. My detriment. thing is just my biggest thing is I'm a, the lightning rod thing. Uh, and I've been like that my whole life, even before Barstool. It's like I get myself in some sticky public situations. And, you know, this is the right company to do that, even though I've just, yes. I take an enormous amount of heat. But the heat I take, though, is like as I've learned, like, you know, I'm used to it now three and a half years in, especially after going through what I went through last year. Like, yeah. I can take it. And, you know, it seems like every three months, something like that, something happens where it just, you know, it's it. it it just feels like like things will – it's like the cycle. I saw a meme with it. It's like Mitzi builds up goodwill. Something happens. Mitzi tanks. Mitzi builds up back up goodwill. It's like this – yeah, it's like a roller coaster. And uh, who knows what it will be next, but I'm sure it will be something. Is there is there a certain sense of, of pride that you feel right now going kind of into this next stage of your career and your life? having been through what you've been through, like, hey, yeah, I've, I've been through kind of the, the, I've weathered the greatest storm. Like, is there a comfortability? I mean, you, that you, you know, I could die tomorrow. Like, that's the thing. Nobody knows anything with life, yeah. uh, the older you get, especially. But yeah, I mean, it does feel like it's heading downhill now, you know, after what happened last year and the moving, yeah. and the moving to Chicago was, I didn't question the decision for a second. I mean, I love New Orleans. I'm mean, hell, I'm still here a ton. I mean, I've got it worked out where it's a two hour flight. 
all my friends are down here. I mean, I still can come from Mardi Gras and Jazz Fest and Hogs for the Cause and some football. You know, I'll be down here six to eight weekends a year. I mean, it's great. Um, but the Chicago move was obviously the move to be in with the key core guys day to day. And like when I when that came up, I knew for my job security and future at Barstool was the right move. And I haven't questioned it for a minute. I'm glad to hear that. Um, we'll go out with this. This is the inaugural episode of Chris and Company. And one of the key themes here is, uh, you know, as somebody that uh, is is still working remote, is kind of camaraderie um, and, and trying to be genuine. I've said this to you in person. I've said this to you over the phone. I said it to you in the offices. Um, but, uh, I love you. I mean, you, you're, you're, you've been my, my, one of my biggest supporters and best friends since, um, since all this happened, it has been a very bizarre journey, I think for the both of us, um, in, in different ways. But, uh, I always look, I, for people watching right now, I, I genuinely appreciate what you've done for my life. I appreciate you being on the show today. And, uh, man, I hope to see you in person soon, dude. Let's work. Yeah, I hope so too, man. I need to get to Detroit, you know, like I said, for baseball. You know, if, if especially sure. when Elko gets up there, I'd come up for a white sauce. Yeah. Night. You know, my, the, my calendar, next couple months, I'll, you know, everybody always jokes, like the Mincy Tour stuff is really, you know, I mean, because I get so out of control with it. But, uh, you know, next few weeks, like I'll be in Chicago. Like I'm going to Richmond, Virginia for two days to go to this VCU Dayton game and do some behind-the-scenes stuff. Chicago, I got the halftime show, the Super Bowl stream. Uh, we got a huge widespread panic run through Chicago next weekend, Chicago Theater, three-nighter. Uh, I'm going to West Palm Beach, Florida to play the Money Chris Moneymaker Poker Tour event. I'm doing a big Oxford Ole Miss tunic a week where I'm going to go try to interview Lane and uh, Chris Beard and go to Ole Miss Bama basketball and some baseball and some poker stuff. Uh, I'm going to the SEC tournament in Nashville basketball, which I've never been to, and then I'm going to go hang out at the Barstool Bar. Uh, you know, I got we'll have March Madness. I've got Hogs for the Cause, Nolan, April. I mean, I've got a pretty crazy next couple months, but I've kind of got it set up on purpose where I want to travel less in the summer and enjoy being in Chicago in the summer because that's yeah. the best time of year there. And so I'm kind of doing a lot of my traveling now. Uh, summertime, sure, I'll be making an Omaha appearance. I'll play the World Series of Poker main event in Vegas. Uh, but other than that, I'm going to try to leave the calendar open and just enjoy, you know, I'm really going to try to enjoy embracing the Chicago thing. So, but yeah, it's going to be a busy year. Uh, lots to look forward to. I feel like things are really, you know, headed downhill. I'm feeling really good about my life direction and just got to keep, keep that going. Fantastic, man. Well, I appreciate you being on, man. I'll talk to you real soon. All right. That is it for the interview with Ben Mintz. Thank you to him for jumping on. No uh, internet issues, Ben Mintz. So uh, we're growing, we're maturing, we're, we're evolving, we're changing. We will be back here next week with another interview. I uh, don't have a, a specific person lined up yet, but I have an idea of who I want to reach out to. Uh, like I said, uh, this thing is going to change uh, as we move forward. Uh, but uh, having watched a little bit back of what I've seen, I'm really happy with, with that uh, interview that we just did. Make sure to hit that like button here on YouTube and Rumble. Make sure to hit that subscribe button on Rumble and YouTube. Comment. Let us know what you thought of the interview. And uh, let us know who else you want to see on Chris and Company. We're just getting started here. So thank you very much, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. Peace and happiness.